All right, pack it up, boys. It's retcon cleaning season, and we gotta make this place ship-shape in Bristol fashion. Yep, yep, that one's breakable. Um, hey, what the heck is going on, dear? What's with all the movers? Well, unfortunately, Chris is on infinite Earths, and by extension, the rest of our lives have to be reset to the default status quo. So we're moving out any evidence of podcasting and comic books so we can be enjoyed by new readers who like the normal, safe-feeling Chris's stuff. Wait, why is this happening? Hey, that's my first appearance of Apocalypse. Give that back. Editorial mandate, of course. It's been fun trying something new, but we are the toys that have got to be put back in the box. Readers like a Chris and Christy that are very nuclear, less strange, less podcasty. Okay, but I like podcasting. I don't want to just stop this second. We've got some fun stuff to discuss. Some married couple time. Come on, we don't want to quit. Well, it doesn't matter what I think, dear. We've simply got to. The Yeti mic needs to go away. Our closet needs to be turned less soundproof. And never again shall we discuss comics. Unless somebody later decides that status quo was actually the nostalgia trip that everyone craves. Okay, but why again? I told you, editorial mandate. Christy, we don't have an editor. Wait, we don't? Then where did I get these details about the retcon? I think you were just reading comics too late after eating cheese again. (gasps) Oh, okay, yep, that checks out. All right, moving guys, put all that stuff back. It's time to talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our episode covering the X-Men event, Extermination. Yes, it doesn't start with an X. Well, the X is the only capital letter in it. <laughs> it's like it's like the... Uh, no, no, no. There's a movie um, that came out in like 2001, I think. Mm-hmm. It is by Cronenberg, my right. bo- my boy. Your boy. My boy. And it's called Existence, and I think only the X and the Z at the end are capitalized. So it's it's it, this is and just like Existence, this is about an altered reality. Mhm. Yep. I just thought it was about how X is a really cool letter. It is a cool letter. You can make it with your arms. Right? It's like, a really I easy. I feel like the X sells comic books. The X sells comics? The X sells comics. I think you're right. I, I think it is much harder to make an X-Men event that doesn't have the X in it. Right? How are how are people going to know that the X-Men are in your comic if you don't have a very large X on the front cover? Wow. So the start of this current status quo that we're in, in mm-hmm. comics in 2021, mm-hmm. started with House of X and Powers of Ten, also with an X. Yeah, yeah. Then we have an X of Swords, Ten yeah, of Swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be one coming out in January called the X... Lives of Wolverine, X deaths of Wolverine, meaning the 10. See, they've gotten the memo. They understand there has to be an X. There has to be an X. Has to be. We need to change the name of our podcast to Chris's, Chris Sex on Infinite Frankly, Earths. I don't know how New Mutants has managed to exist. There's no X. There is no X. I think the current New Mutants logo might have some kind of X put in it somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying... 
Generation Next was 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 a fun. I I know it it became Generation X. Also Generation fun. Next, yeah, that was good. Generation X, like coming out in like the nineties, when the Generation Generation X were roughly that same age, was mm-hmm. like that was that was brilliant cross cross right. marketing. Right. So I'm just saying, New Mutants really missed the brief. Yes, with the title. Mm-hmm. Now we, I think, at this point, have read almost all of the events that the that the O five time displaced kiddos were in prior to coming yes. back to the present. And I have been asking every time, when did they go back? Because it seems like a very bad idea every time they're here. And I think, oh, this is the time they're going back. And you're like, no, the, the, this isn't the time. I, I told you it wasn't the time when you started reading it. I'm like, it feels like it should be the time. This <laughs> is the time. Surely now. But okay. <laughs> what if I told you mm-hmm. now is the time? You know, I feel like I'd believe you because you have been consistently telling me the correct thing. And I have been my very own Lucy with the football. You have not been the Lucy. That's true. I have been both Lucy and Charlie Brown in this scenario. Christy is having some real inner conflict. (laughs) Don't Lucy, you're Charlie Brown. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, before we get into it, Christy, we have a new patron. Ooh, okay. We've got a new patron to thank. Yes. Uh, we would like to thank Dan, who became a patron five days ago. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. If you want to be like Dan, you can head on over to patreon.com and pledge your support for, for the Chris's. Yeah. And then we'll read your name out at the at the absolute bare minimum. That is right, what we will do. Right. And like there 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 are lots of other neat things. The sky's like the don't limit. we have don't we have um Friend of the show, Charlie Davis, to thank for this. This very episode. This very episode. Correct. Mm -hmm. Charlie Davis picked this one out for us. The next one that we are going to do is also a patron picked one. Mm -hmm. And then the one after that is also a patron picked one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then we get to voting, which is also patron picked. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should probably just, just, just get into it. Get right into that summary. Summary. Extermination, written by Ed Brisson, penciled and inked by Pepe Larraz, Ario Anandito, and Dexter Vines, colored by Marte Garcia and Eric Arseniega, lettered by Joe Sabino, edited by Darren Shan, Danny Kazem, Jordan D. White, and Chris Robinson. Issue 1. Twenty years from now, a mysterious cloaked figure surveys the destroyed, again, Xavier Mansion, stating that things have been messed and up, and it's up to them to set it right. In the present, the X-Men blue team, the time-displaced O5 plus Bloodstorm, a vampire version of Storm from another dimension, save two young French mutants from a mob. They take the kids, Manon and Maxime, back to the mansion, where Cecilia Reyes and Jean determine that their memories have been wiped. Cyclops and Bloodsport eat dinner at a Thai restaurant when they are very suddenly attacked by the dystopian future villain Ahab and his collection of hounds. They kill Bloodstorm, but Cyclops fights them off in a rage, calling for backup. Jean calls Iceman to return to the mansion from a play he's attending when he's also suddenly attacked, but by the mysterious cloaked figure. Cable shows up to assist, but Iceman is incapacitated, and Cable tussles with the cloaked figure who keeps telling the old man he hasn't done his duty properly. 
Back at the mansion, the team asks Rachel about Ahab, and she relays that he's the man who turned her into a hound against her own people and gave her the facial tattoos. But they suddenly can't reach Bobby, and Gene looks for him, only finding Cable and whichever mysterious person he's fighting. The cloaked figure overpowers Cable before brutally killing him with gunfire. Gene detects this immediately, and they race to the scene. While pondering who could have done this, adult Jean Grey and Nightcrawler arrive, and the team suspects the culprit wasn't Ahab. The cloaked figure body slides by two, and it is revealed as he places Iceman into some kind of suspended animation tube that it's a much younger Cable. Dun-dun-dun. Issue 2. Young Cable kidnaps Mimic, a mutant who can mimic others' powers as his services are required for something. Cyclops mourns Cable in Bloodstorm as he speaks with young Jean about whether or not their presence in the present, okay, that sounds confusing, has made any kind of difference. All the mutant folks meet up to discuss what the heck is going on, with Rachel theorizing that Ahab, who can hide in any time, killed Cable so that he could get the O5, whose deaths may cause something very bad in the future. Kitty proposes they split into four teams to keep the non-kidnapped kids safe, but Cyclops storms out, angry at being babysat. Unfortunately, at the same time, stun darts hit Angel and Bobby, and Jean detects a psychic nothing in the area. Cyclops blasts the psychic dead zone before snagging the intruder, figuring out it's a young cable. He's confronted by Jean, but grabs Warren and body slides away. The rest of the mutants come on the scene and Kitty demands they get the O5 out now, and Jean demands to go with the original X-Force. We cut to the kidnapped Angel and Cable as Cable has the winged mutant strapped into some machine as his empowered cosmic wings are hacked off. Yikes. And back at the mansion, Ahab suddenly attacks, wounding Rachel with a javelin and revealing that he can now turn anyone instantly into a hound as old man Logan suddenly has the distinct facial tattoos. Issue 3. Cyclops and Jean have been spirited away with adult Jean having taken Cyclops. However, young Beast still stands at the mercy of Logan and Ahab. Old Beast and Storm try to distract Ahab long enough for young Beast to get away, and Ahab reveals that Maxime and Menon have psychic bomb powers and emotional suggestion powers, enabling him, through them, to implant hound protocols into people to make them into sleeper agents. He suddenly activates his hounds, and it's revealed that Kurt and Shatterstone have been converted. Kurt teleports Cyclops into the bottom of the ocean, and adult Jean narrowly rescues him and brings him to their med bay. Meanwhile, Shatterstar tries to cut up Jean, but Cannonball activates his powers and blows the two of them out the back. As young Beast tries to flee, Cable teleports in and grabs him, which causes Ahab and his crew to also head back to their flying boat, where they plan to attack Jean's base, Cerebro. X-Force explains to Jean that they don't take prisoners with their enemies, and whoever killed Cable is getting done in for good. Jean tells them they're heading in the wrong direction. Back at Cable's base, he also hacks off Mimic's wings, which have suddenly grown. He's a gross kid. But before too much can happen, the door is blown in. X-Force has arrived. Issue 4. 
Ahab prepares to attack Cerebro, and Cannonball shows up at the mansion carrying an unconscious Shatterstar. He had to knock the warrior out to get him to stop, but the other hounds went with Ahab. Kitty, Iceman, Storm, and Angel prepare to head out to fight Ahab, but wonder where the rest of X-Force went. X-Force attempts to kill young Cable, but Jean uses her TK to defuse the situation, demanding answers from Cable. He explains he killed his older self because he wasn't doing his job protecting the timeline, and Ahab is there to kill one of the O5, which would ultimately usher in a dark future. Cable reattaches Angel's wings, borrowed from a now seemingly willing mimic, to send them back the way they arrived. Ahab arrives at Cerebro and teleports in, converting Gabby into a hound. Things are looking dicey until the other X-Men show up, followed by Cable and X-Force. Things are a little confusing for everyone, but young Cable angrily confronts Ahab only for the villain to chuck a javelin through him. Yikes! Issue 5. Psych! It was actually Mimic who had snagged Scott's visor as a decoy. A giant brawl breaks out now as Maxime and Manon rapidly turn tons of X-Men into hounds, and even more folks from the Xavier School show up to assist, only for Storm to also get turned into a hound. Both adult and child Jean Grey can't figure out how to telepathically shut off the twins' powers, and things are looking dire. Cyclops decides it's definitely time to head home, and Bobby worries about going back to the way he was before, meaning in the closet. Cyclops gives Cable the condition that they still have to beat Ahab before they leave, and he time slides by six to the future, which happens to be where Ahab took Maxime and Manon from. Jean Grey runs into the Xavier School, where Maxime and Manon are having a tasty breakfast, and she suddenly learns from them all about their powers as Ahab's ship suddenly looms in the sky following them. Cyclops blasts Ahab's ship out of the air, and Cable then body slides the five back to where they need to go into the past, before zapping himself and Ahab back to the present. The O5 all dress up and position themselves the way they were before being brought to the future, and Jean fixes their memories to match. The timeline being fixed causes adult Jean to suddenly learn how to beat the twins, and Ahab zaps away with Rachel and some of his generic hounds. Cable vows to give chase. The X-Men have a funeral for old Cable, and then the O5 adults, minus Cyclops, of course, eat at a diner where they propose a toast for Scott. At Cable's hidden base, he quietly celebrates his victories before telling a figure off-screen it's time for him to come back. And of course, it's... Adult Cyclops? All right, Christy, what do you what do you think about this? I have to tell you, until that last page, I didn't realize Adult Cyclops was was dead at this was point. Was presumed dead. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, he was like, "Where is he in this story? Weird, weird." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really felt his absence. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds worse than it is. There was just... There there was a Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about adult Cyclops until the end. They were like... I was like, oh, the four of them. Where's Scott? <gasps> There's Scott. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a lot more impactful, I think, if I had... <laughs> You've been reading it at the time. Mm-hmm. I did. I was reading it at the time. I read this issue by issue. Mm-hmm. So this is pretty... <sighs> Recent, because didn't Scott come back during the whole age of uh, X Man? Bef- uh, that, that those were happening somewhat roughly concurrently, right? Um, there was the the ten issue Uncanny Weekly series, mm-hmm. and then 
once that finished, Scott was back. And then um, once that finished, House of X started. Right. Right. Because Age of X-Men was around the time I started reading more Mm. X-Comics. Yeah. And that was right before House of X. Right. So, like, I remembered Cyclops coming back and I was like, oh, this is then. This is pretty recent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some other clues that it's recent is it. The artist is, of course, the now like top of the world hotshot Pepe Larraz mm-hmm. and, uh, and Marte Garcia on colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is one fill in in issue four, and it is so jarring. Oh, really? I yeah. don't know if I noticed it. Oh, so not jarring for you then, I guess. Maybe, maybe I just don't have the discerning eye. L- let's let's. I'm gonna brag a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I loved the art in this as I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And I had not read the Avengers stuff that Pepe had been on right before this. Okay. And I was like, this is like, this is great. This is, this is like fantastic, like kinetic, <laughs> colorful. Like, I thought it was amazing. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. I think this story feels like it was, it was like grown in a lab. Like genetic, like like genetically modified beef or whatever. It feels like <laughs> so very constructed for to make a means to an ends rather than to actually tell an interesting story. That is one thing I will absolutely accuse it of. But it looks gorgeous. It does look gorgeous. But I'm actually going to compliment a little bit of this storytelling here because it did what it needed to do in the smallest amount of issues possible. It could have dragged this out a lot longer. I We've think this could seen have been like them three issues, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, I mean, I it is decently tight. I got to give you that. It, it is. It's mm. tight storytelling. It's not. It, the issues aren't jam packed. We still have the somewhat more decompressed storytelling that we get in newer issues, but there's not a ton of extra fluff. It moves quickly. It does what it needs to do, which, and it looks beautiful doing it. Is it like? A fabulous storyline? Like, yeah, it's some cleanup of other people's real big mess. I don't know the 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 behind the scenes for this, mm-hmm. but it feels like they knew they were doing House of X. In right. fact, I'm pretty sure they knew they were doing House of X. Right. I actually think Pepe literally had the job of House of X, like, as this was coming out. Oh. And I think they just, like, they, they really needed to fix something. The rest, the rest of the story that takes place after this mm-hmm. is definitely like nothing needs to be fixed. They're just telling a short story before they knew House of X was coming. Right. But this feels like they really needed to do some cleanup. It is funny that they I use mean, it to it's satisfying, though. Kind of. Yeah, you feel that way. The, the cleanup is satisfying because I felt like every time I read an O five story, I was like, "Why are they here? Why mm-hmm. they need to send them back? Why are they still here? They're still here. They didn't send them back. This is a bad idea." Fix it. And this like fixed it. It's like the same satisfaction like when you get when you get like a, a really tough spot to clean mm-hmm. and it and it, you know, you get the like the pen that one of our loving, adorable children scrawled all over the entertainment center that wouldn't come off with just the magic eraser. You had to get the rubbing alcohol out too and the magic eraser and yeah. that combo. It just cleaned it up so nice. That did and you know, I feel like this gave me that same satisfaction. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> you can say you could say the O five were an annoying ink stain <laughs> scribbled by a child. <laughs> wow. That child's name, Brian Michael Bendis. 
That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But my initial point was when they announced Pepe Larraz for House of X, I feel like the, like, like, the the excitement in the room at C2E2 is not as palpable as it should have been. Mm. But like a few of us, including like the, a bunch of like our friends sitting together, were like hype. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 it's like the my biggest I told you so moment in comics was when people are like, oh, they didn't pick any like super hot like super big shots for this next mini series, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What are you saying? <laughs> I remember you be, be being so excited, and I just remember thinking, I don't know who this Hickman guy is, but I don't think I like him. <laughs> well, he's gone soon, Christy. <laughs> uh, I like the way that, the, the way that you described the story in a way where I almost want to be like, all right, conversation done. Uh, I do think Ahab being in this is silly, but Ahab is just a silly villain. He's 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 a future man who has hounds and he rides in a giant space boat or like a giant sky boat and he throws javelins. Yeah, and he, he says he's chasing his whale. Like there's there's. It's very silly. He is the embodiment of a bit commitment, which is what like every villain should be yeah. in a comic book. That's true. Don't make your villain so believable. I mean, it's okay if you're telling a story where your villain's believable. I just enjoy it. The, the comically over-the-top villains that are an escape from reality. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so Ahab's a little silly. Mm-hmm. His, his motivation seems to be messing up the future. And if he kills an 05, he gets his way. Right. But he comes from a future that is seemingly already messed up. Right. Well, he wants to unmess it up by getting taking care of mutants, getting rid of mutants, that's because right. then the future wouldn't be messed up. That's right. That's right. You got me there. Mm-hmm. We get we got our two little French mutants. Yeah. Yep. Ahab is basically like the three lefts make a right. Yeah. Kind of a- <laughs> <laughs> He'll get there eventually. <laughs> so those the 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 two twins who mm-hmm. are like kind of the like red or like the what do I know them from? You probably read them in the New Mutants issues that mm. Ed Brisson wrote prior to his exit from the X-Books. Okay, yes. Because he, he created them in this and then brought them back because he likes them. They're right. like some pet characters of his. Right. Yeah. So that's what okay. you know them from. That's what I know them from. They're, they're, they're good guys now. I was like, French twins. Wait, how did, how did these two grow up and become not like gray? I was like, oh, different French twins. <laughs> there are several French twins. <laughs> <laughs> the older French twins are French Canadian. That's true. <laughs> French Canadian twins, French twins, uh, Fenris. I, I guess they're German twins. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta watch out for those twins that that speak other languages. Apparently, <laughs> if you're a mutant, <laughs> American twins, totally fine. Do I we can... have any American twins? Uh, no. <laughs> right. There's just, all, there's also just the Guth- Guthries that maybe have some Irish twins. Yeah, uh, Monet has her two younger siblings, but she's oh. Algerian, right? And French. And French. <laughs> 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 My God, so many French twins. Yeah, I feel like a French twin should be the name of a donut. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I guess the closest we have to like American twins would be like the the cuckoos. The, that's not twins. That's five of them. There are. They are the five. Of okay. Them. I feel like are are there is there ever like an instance of twins where they're just like 
they're totally good. Not at all ominous or slightly like devious. Like, did we just have some real Not imprinting on us, like trope wise, from The Shining? I think we did. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick did us all in. Twins, apparently creepy. I've known lots of twins. They're great. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've ever met any twins right. in real life that are creepy. Right. It's only twins in fiction. There's just, there's only fictional creepy twins. And they're normally like, it's never two guy twins that are creepy. You have a guy and a girl. Yeah. You have two girls, two but gu- not two guys. They're just, then, then you just got Winklevosses, like from the Facebook movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two, two guy twins are just like mischievous. Yeah. Not like they're just here for good. Not times. not not scary. Not scary. <laughs> Mischievous rather than scary. Some real deep examinations of that that trope that we've definitely thought about, and other people probably have lots of examples that they're shouting at <laughs> we, us right now. We're just kind of like, wow, wild. Yeah, look yeah. at these things we've definitively discovered. No one can respond to it. <laughs> so the O five have to basically go back. And pretend nothing happened, but then their adult selves get the memories that they right. had. How do you feel about what this means for Iceman? Um, it had to get fixed somehow. Like, realistically. It does feel a little cruel. I mean, I think at this point, like, I think, I, I remember a lot of people at the time were pretty upset by it. And I totally understand why. Right. It feels really moot now. Because right. it's like, well, okay, he's here. He's Right. All of those... Those things already happened. They did. Anyway. And I but I get how like the whole like, well, Bobby, to fix the future, you gotta go in the closet. Like that that reads rough. It does. It is it funny does. that I feel like after a while though, it just kinda wasn't talked about anymore. Maybe just because Marvel always has a new thing to talk about. Right. Like I feel like if you were continuing to write stories about young Bobby in the closet and yeah, that would think. that would be rough. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To me, this just, it's scrubbing out that spot. It shouldn't have happened. It's fixing it. Okay, but Bobby being gay, it definitely should have happened. Well, right. Yeah. Yes, that should have happened. You just but mean the, the whole, the, the, the kids the fe- in, yeah. The kids in the future. They could have, they could have instead had adult Bobby realize he was gay. I did see someone, and they had this very unique view of, like, don't you know that there's been people who are gay who have to go back into the closet? For like their own survival and come back out. Now, granted, that does not feel a hundred percent. No, like nobody should have to do that. Right. But also, this is a comic book with time travel. Like, I don't, I don't know that we have to take it that seriously. I think the fact that the O five now are just basically like kind of kaput, and we can just kind of deal with right things in the future. And adult Bobby is still gay. I think right. maybe makes it not quite as ridiculous quite as i i think that the trope in the moment reads kind of mm, but i think the ultimately the like effect of it is kind of it, it almost not felt right like what i want to wanted to continue to read about the o5 and they forgot all the things except bobby remembered that he was gay so now we get to rewrite all of the o5 <laughs> going through every i know i was done i didn't even read that much x-men and i was done with them there they shouldn't have been there you just you were not a fan some people were like well they're just always going to be here now i'm i'm kind of surprised they retconned it but it's just because it felt like they weren't going anywhere like at the beginning of this cyclops was dating an alternate reality storm who is a vampire right and i'm like hopefully a lot younger (laughs) because he's like a teen (laughs) right 
And, you know, they... Boy, she dies real fast. Real fast. I was very confused. I was like, Bloodstorm? Why did they put blood at the beginning of Storm's already very cool name? Oh, Oh, this she's a, a vampire. Yeah, they get they got go, it. They go on some alternate reality adventures and kind of pick up Bloodstorm and come back with her. You could tell Ed Brisson was like, let's just get her out of the way as soon as I possibly can. Right. Right. Which could have like I hadn't read anything else with Bloodstorm in it. So I don't know. This maybe could have felt like a fridging moment, but I mean, they had a lot of, to do a lot of tropey things to to, to wipe the slate clean, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And I was just happy, happy for the reset. <laughs> so this is people a, are yelling at me. This is a band-aid ripping off story. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It does. It feels bad. It, it feels like there was so little planning, and that like, because Blood, Bloodstorm had not been there very long mm-hmm. to just kill her off. I feel like it, it. It felt like there was almost no planning involved at this era, right? Kind right. of flying by the seat of its pants, which. I don't know. I guess makes you feel a little better about like House of X powers tend to know that like setup and thinking that through was happening so oh, much. In by advance. this point, I like I it was kind of a House of X powers of ten. As far as I know, were kind of a done deal, right? So, but it does feel like prior to this, like the X Men Gold and X Men Blue era were very much like the like juggling a million things and just trying to see what stays in the air. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a bad metaphor. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I get it. If the line doesn't have like a strong direction or a strong editorial presence guiding that direction, you're going to wind up where with people having to tell stories with bad tropes and making choices that are going to make people upset to accommodate those editorial decisions, those last minute things. Right. It just felt, it felt like a line kind of fighting against itself a little bit. And this kind of felt like the final final nail in the coffin of like, okay, we're done. Right. So I guess you could say like I'm not like particularly in love with the story, but it feels good you to just, have it done. Now it does present a entirely new time displaced problem, and that is the young cable. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about young cable? I, I mean, I, I'm fine with young you cable. Were, some people were really not happy about young cable that, i mean that's that's fine i didn't have like a particular attachment to cable as a character and like cable's still here sure and now now he's a kid sure that i think kid cable is like the main status quo that persisted into house of x mm-hmm. like the, all, all the other stuff was like some people were resurrected i guess um who cares when it doesn't matter like a lot of the, like, so much of that was done but like cable being a child was definitely brought into that right like is adult cable probably going to come back at some point i would assume so he did a month or two ago see look <laughs> i'm really caught up on current <laughs> comics you sure are that's how the cable series ended i didn't read that series because i don't have a particular attachment love for to cable that. There's a bit in it where where Scott Summers eats a Philly cheesesteak, and he looks so delighted. There wasn't an X in the title, so cable <laughs> just cable like X. just like the Wolverine title. There's no X in the title. Why should I be reading it? Hey, the current New Mutants is good. I I'm decently caught up on that. It doesn't have an X in the title, Christy. You know, it's been really hard remembering that it's an X comic. <laughs> no idea. Goodness. 
thank goodness it has the X logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, is it going to be time for some Twitter questions? Questions. Asimov underscore fangirl asks, Howdy, which character or characters could have been interesting to bring to the future and have similar adventures as the O5? I think old school Magneto brought to the future would have been great because he is so mustache twirly and like silly. I think that could have been a fun contrast. That could have been fun. Like how, how young are we? We talking like just get, get, I don't know how young Magneto was in his first appearance. To me, he's just always like kind of a gray. Yeah, I don't. Before. I don't mean necessarily young as in like youthful. Just uh, from okay. a time from a time okay. before. Right now, Asimov fangirl didn't specify like an X no. character, Mm-mm. and I feel like it could be really fun. I feel like it could be really fun to have like a power pack. Where, like, the young Power Pack kids uh-huh. come to see the also still young <laughs> Well, a couple of, one of... The oldest is, like, college age now. Oh, really? They've gotten a little older. Yeah. But, yeah, to, like, I don't know, have them... That'd be fun. Have the, have the kids meet the kids. Yep. Slightly older kids. Kids meeting kids. I think that would be cute. Second is more of a comment, but wouldn't it have made sense that young Cable used the name Chris rather than Nathan, considering he seemed to be closer to Cyclops? This is, of course, because Cable's full name is Nathan Christopher right. Charles Dayspring? Iscani Sun Summers? That sounds right. Okay. But but Scott wanted to name him Christopher, and Madeline was like, Nathan mm-hmm. Christopher. I- Imagine a Cable mm-hmm. named Chris. What a, what a slick name. Be be pretty great yeah. to, to welcome <laughs> Him into the Chris fold. I think Asimov fangirl is correct. <laughs> uh, all right. The next question from at Cave of Splendor. How do the final pages of Extermination rank in the list of all-time great character returns from the dead? It is certainly surprising, and it used no foreshadowing at this point. It right. is explained how Cable did it in an in like a an annual that takes place after this. It's a very cool reveal. Like. I didn't even know Cyclops was dead, and I thought it was a cool movie. You're like, what? <laughs> he was hanging out in a basement the whole time? I'm like, look at that weird sit. He is so bisexual. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if it's a, if it's an all-time great, but it is, uh, it is pretty neato. Mm-hmm. Colossus's return in Astonishing X-Men remains number one for me, but I definitely fist-pumped at the end of Extermination number five. I feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's I'm trying to think of my my favorite character return. Like, there's lots of characters that I can be happy that return, but like the reveal of their return, I don't know that I have it. The reveal of the X Men who died at the sun, all like how they did it and it got resurrected. Oh, I was like, what? That was pretty cool. It was neato. Mm-hmm. All right, at the completest asks, I just always wondered how these kids that hung around the future for a year returned to the past and never questioned why they look a year older. Explain that. Ah, well. JK, can't wait to hear the show. (laughs) I was going to answer in Marvel time, they've really only been gone like a week. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) At Austin Gordon asks, was this a satisfying conclusion to the whole surprisingly long-lasting time-lost 05 scenario? 
I don't know if there could have been like a more satisfying way to write it, but I think I've already established that I was very satisfied by them fixing it. I think conclusion is a strong word because I actually I I think that when they were brought to the future, they had no clue how they were going to bring them to the past. I don't think that was actually considered at all. Right. So I think for a satisfying conclusion, they would have had to have an arc. Austin also asks, what do you like more, this or the Inferno Era Exterminators miniseries? That's the one with, like, Taki, Wizkid, and mm. the, like, the young, the young kids, like, Boom Boom and Richter, and they're flying around saving babies. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah! I think I like that one better. <laughs> what do you like better? Yeah, I, I think definitely that one was, was better. That was, that was so much fun reading it. That was, like, my favorite part of inferno maybe mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah i think it was if i'm recalling correctly i think it was my one of my favorite parts of inferno all right at uh gdex 86 asks mimic i know in the krakoa era he is affirmatively a mutant but pre that his status as one of the children of the atom has been maybe kind of i don't know what is his pre krakoa deal so without actually having done much research on this his powers came from a lab accident but at some point it was explained that the lab accident just awakened his latent mutant gene. Oh, okay. But otherwise he just has these sort of mimicry powers. But yeah, his his deal was so like amorphous. They finally had to codify it after House of X when they explained the five. Right. He is listed as someone who could be an alternate. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, that is not a super detailed answer, but with that uh that that is that is roughly where he comes from. He's kind of a villain for a little bit and kind of not. I love how in this he's just shopping at like, right. at like Kroger's or whatever mm-hmm. and Cable's like, what's up, Calvin Rankin? You sound like a man who is a Fortune 500 business boy. <laughs> uh, all right. At Abrawl2099 asks, do you think the story worked better the way it was? Or would it have been more effective if the character development the O5 had gone through hadn't been locked away? Uh, I think for what they wanted it to do, it's kind of the way they had to do it. Right. And th- Would th- you say the character development is locked away if the adults get it? Um, in Iceman's case, he obviously, like... Right, that is... Is still, is, still, is still gay, but he realized he was gay as an adult. Mm-hmm. There was a big reveal prior to this, talking right. to his younger self. His younger self was like, well, I'm gay, but what about you? And the adult Iceman kind of came out to him, his younger self. It's a, it's a cute scene. He, mm. he, he cries like ice tears. It's delightful. Of course. But anyway, Cyclops remembers being a champion. And so he always helps out like the younger mm. crew because he remembers being one of them. Right. I think that's really fun. So I don't actually think they, they really get rid of a lot of them. I feel like Gene is a weird exception in that young Gene and older Gene seem like completely separate people. And that still doesn't feel like it's been reconciled to me. Right. Young Jean is, like, very, like... I like Young Jean here. Well, yeah, her whole deal is that she's kind of, like, louder and more assertive than, like, the the, the Jean who who existed in the actual 60s and 70s. Right. But it seems like... I mean, I guess you could say that Krakoa-era Jean sometimes says stuff like, don't patronize me, Hank, which is awesome. Right. And you wonder if that's maybe from this young one, but otherwise... Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I might slightly disagree with, with, with Mr. Brawl 2099 on the character development. If he means like, should they have, should they have actually, should they have had something where they didn't have to wipe their brains for, until they were adults? Maybe, I don't know. I, I, again, I feel like at some point maybe an arc should have been planned. <laughs> right. 
The next question comes from at Fazebian, who asks, what do you think of the ending? I'm guessing Fazebian here means like the whole deal or maybe or like the reveal with Cyclops because the reveal with Cyclops pretty cool as we've established. Uh-huh. The the ending does feel to me like something they had to do in in, in you you see you feel like it's neat and it 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 wraps this up and it's nice. I feel like it is like Grover and the monster at the end of this book like nailing pages together. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it feels so haphazard and like it, it it is something where it's like if a gymnast like did a million weird looking twists that like totally mm-hmm. don't work and then like stuck the landing and this was like ignore what I just did. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Jumbo Carnation asks, what teen comedy movie would you recast starring the O five and Teen Cable? So we are children who mostly grew mm-hmm. up in the nineties, right? So a I, lot I'm of like our- Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club's good. Breakfast Club's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You could be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That great Shakespearean film. Gosh, so many of them are. <laughs> and then you're like, did Shakespeare just write a bunch of teen teen dramas and teen comedies? And the answer is yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> At Arthur Stacy asks, given that the consequences of bringing the O5 to the present could have been much more exciting slash catastrophic, is what happens in extermination a cop out? Sure, but I feel like it was it was like what else were you gonna do at this point? Right. I yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a cop out. I think it was. I I feel like I've made my my feelings about this right abundantly clear the fact right? that it's like a third tier villain who's like thrown into it i get it like they it, again it feels like they have no arc but it's like it's done this mm-hmm. is the it's done of comics right uh arthur stacy also asks that thing with mimic incredibly clever or incredibly stupid it is it is such a deep pull that i have to kind of give it a little bit of props right they needed a fix for the wings and they found a way to make that work and sure and calvin clever. is calvin is mostly okay Oh, wait. <laughs> he very much dies. Uh, Adam also asks, how great is Pepe Larraz? This is a Pepe Larraz support podcast at all times. That makes it sound like Pepe Larraz needs our support. He does. I I think he deserves our support. Yeah. I don't think he, he needs it. I'm just saying, we are we are dropping in the ocean that is the Pepe Larraz appreciation group. I, I, yeah, but, I'm proud to be that drop, but mm-hmm. I acknowledge that I am but one drop. In a sea of of many drops, I'm gonna really take this metaphor. A lot of drops. drops, 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 drops. Um, Cyclops and Bloodstorm, an intriguing couple. Oh, I'm sorry. This question was asked by at Scott P. Redmond. Cyclops and Bloodstorm, an intriguing couple idea that was cut down before it could ever get started, or something that was best nipped in the bud quickly as this event did. I'm gonna say the first one a little, but it always seemed to me like it was forced together a little bit. I saw the pairing. I was like, oh, uh, okay. But I also, from what I can recall of the O5, Scott and Jean were very much, okay, we know we're supposed to wind up together. So we're absolutely going to fight that and -hmm. explore lots of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And thinking about like Scott as, how do I say this? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about, I mean, Scott's always drawn to, like, very powerful women. True. This doesn't seem like an unnatural thing. But also, I don't know if we, like, Bloodstorm is like, yeah, there's an attraction here. But, like, I don't know that we know that 
she's super into it. <laughs> Which would be some fun she's having. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how serious she's taking it. And then she dies. Like, this is why you don't go on dates with Scott Summers. People bust through the walls. This isn't the first time that this has happened in a crossover that we read this summer. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Scott also asks, do you find the time cop concept version of Cable to be more interesting or more of a hindrance overall? I like it, but it feels like it comes out of nowhere because he's kind of never been that. Like, he has been man who time travels, but he's not like a preserve the preserve the timeline sort of guy, if I recall correctly. Mm. Okay. See, and I just kind of thought that's what he... What, no, but that doesn't make sense because he's done a lot of things to disrupt timelines. So, I don't know. It, although, Time but- Cop Cable being a kid, that makes a little bit more sense to me yeah like, it, it does seem like an older cable is like yeah let's we can be a little we've, we've learned a thing or two it's like somebody who is who's who's only trained via the manual versus someone right. who has practical experience right that's yeah. exactly what i'm getting at yes perfect scott also asks the o5 were around a long time reportedly longer than planned how would you have handled dealing with their presence slash sending them back if given the chance i think i would have done it in battle of the atom I think that was the time. Yeah, we read that, and I was like, they're going back. Yeah. No. Because it, it, it would have felt like you, we, we got the ones from the past, and then we got the, the, the groups in the future. I feel like that would that was like that was time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Alas. Yep. At Roland00 Address, why are the creepy twins always French? Why aren't they <laughs> French-Canadian like Aurora and North Star? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we, we only we, know that they speak French. They might be French-Canadian. Right. I don't know. Um, another question from at Austin Gordon. Is this the best story featuring Ahab? I haven't read any other ones, to be honest. Right. Maybe. I'm going to guess no, though. Uh, I do I do have to give a, sh- a shout out to M. Turetsky's uh, story. Or I do have to give a shout out to M. Turetsky's comment of, that would be a little something called Moby Dick. Oh. All right. Then we have some... <laughs> Some rapid fire questions from at Big Dad Energy. Do you like Kid Cable more in retrospect? Yeah, I like Kid Cable. I kind of liked him a little bit at first, where a lot of people did not. But I was like, this is kind of a fun concept. At this point, I'm like, I am a full Kid Cable stan. Love that little guy. All right, sounds good. There's a bit in, in Ten of Swords where Doug is getting married to Bay the Blood Moon, mm-hmm. and you see like Doug walking down the aisle, and Kid Cable is like is like on like the uh, like he has like an aisle seat and he's given doug this like thumbs up with like a hey sort of deal and it was like love this kid kids are great i make them all kids <laughs> make everybody kids make them all no i don't make them all kids uh, we, do, we do we do need more books for kids yeah that's true kid kid cable is not in any kids books <laughs> right okay uh another question from big dead energy is it it is it weird that there was an event called Extermination just like eight years before this? <laughs> yeah, it is weird. And it's with an X. It is real weird. You could tell they wanted to do it, but figured out that they'd already used the, the, the terminology, so they just added the E to it. And our very final question from Big Dad Energy, how big a jump did Pepe Larraz make from this to Hawks? I don't think that much of one, but I, th- I think they just gave him cooler ideas to draw a little bit in House of X. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like in in terms of art, like mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I I think he like this is still this is still my guy. Mm-hmm. Boy, like House of X number two though the Moira issue is like the art in that is like stone cold classic. And Pepe also just got to define the 
part of a whole new world. Like what right. Foucault is going to look like. Because, Pepe did a lot like, of the designs of like the like the, the floral. So so much more probably creative input mm-hmm. into that, which creative freedom for an artist is it's just candy. Yeah, of course it's going to look amazing. Right, when you had that input into it. This That's is so this is the wrap up of a thing. I do like that they've that that Pepe has has taken somewhat of a design sort of like head, like he did all of the Ten of Swords mm-hmm. bad guys, mm-hmm. even though he he didn't draw all of that. Like he right. did the designs for all that, I, and he did all the designs for like the like the new stuff in the the Duggan mm-hmm. Laraz X X Men. And I'm like, yeah, just let him, just let him go. People talk about Hickman's world building, but like Hickman is. A part of that. <laughs> right. Just a part. I feel like people forget that comics have pictures sometimes, and I know that sounds like a dumb thing to say. <laughs> right. Like, the writer doesn't dictate exactly how everything is supposed to be drawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's not it's not Hickman's hawkspot. Yeah. No. All right. Well, Christy, that was, that was so many questions, considering we put that up, like, today. When we're very urgent, I the people answer the call. Well, would we like to get into our uh, very urgent accolades? Uh, yeah, urgently into those accolades. All right, go ahead and hit me first with your best line. Body slide by two. I thought that was a very clever way to reveal to people who do, do I mean, it was a very clever way to reveal before the face reveal that it was... Oh, that it was Cable. Cable. Or, like, you were just so, like, shocked by it that you're like, well, that's what Cable says. It's mm-hmm. just like a... Just like. Did they bring this? Strife back? Right. <laughs> <laughs> is it Strife? <laughs> I thought that was so clever. That That is a really clever line. Mm-hmm. My best line, I just thought it was funny, and it comes from Boom Boom, and uh, the... And X-Force is talking about Cable, and Domino's like, he put his life on the line for countless times. And Boom Boom's like, plus he and Domino used to be a thing. They used to take baths together all the time, and it was pretty G-R-O-S-S to have to listen to. To listen to? Oh, no. I just thought it was funny. That is funny. (laughs) Who's the greatest hero, Christy? Uh, Mimic. Yeah, it's Mimic. Yeah. He gave it all. He died. He's like, I'm going to willingly grow wings and let you extract them from my back. And now I'm going to sacrifice myself. He's back, though. They resurrected him. Right. But, like, he didn't didn't know that was coming. He did not. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a daily double. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. All right. What's your coolest moment, Christy? My coolest moment had to be that that beautiful uh, art we had with. Uh, when when Jean, young Jean, is basically like, hey, stop fighting. And she freezes everybody in mid-air. Oh, it is very cool. And we have, like, that kind of purple wash over everything as she uses her powers. And it's just, I love the energy of, hey, stop fighting. Let's talk this through before we punch each other. Uh-huh. Listen to me. And it, it's just like. So refreshing. We could have had three more issues of this conflict, and instead, Jean was like, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I like when people talk. <laughs> Less punching, more talking. I said that. Wow. <laughs> My coolest moment is when Cable and Cable fight. 
let's keep going. <laughs> Can I tell you my Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Please do. Did you know that Ahab has a giant floating boat? <laughs> That's really It just looks like a boat. Uh, I also gave it to Ahab, but because I guess Mimic and Scott look similar enough that Ahab was able to be totally fooled by just a visor like it totally gives a lot of credence to oh i'm going to wear a mask i'm gonna wear what what are those masks called domino mask i'm gonna wear a domino mask and nobody's gonna know who i am i I look like everyone else (laughs) (laughs) all right key of c mine is the the team having to go back i feel like there would have been like a fond farewell number okay I think that we kind of have a daily double here. Okay, hit it, Matty Wilson. But before we get too much into what uh, explaining our key of C is, just a reminder to our listeners, our readers, that the key of C is an accolade we give to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. Yes. And I specifically picked the page uh, where the two Bobbies get to interact and kind of have a, a little goodbye between each other because I feel like in a musical, in a musical number, they they would all get to kind of have those goodbyes with mm-hmm. their future selves and, like, parting words. And I feel like since Bobby's the most emotional of all of these interactions, like, the most on the line, they, they, give, a, they give a page mm-hmm. to that, hey, I have to go back to being in the closet, those kind of things. Like, I feel like it would be primarily his number, but kind of like a reprised uh, little bit of a chorus that we see with each character and their counterpart and then kind of ending with Scott knowing that his future self is, is dead as far as he believes. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. We have two more accolades, Christy. The first one is the down with the ship accolade for fr- who, who had the best shipping moment, friendshipping, romantic shipping. Okay. So technically I guess you can interpret this ship as either because young Jean and young Scott, like, had such a great moment. Like, Scott was really down. Uh, and, you know, Scott's like, I just want to be alone right now. Um, and Jean's like, hey, but I'm here for you. If you want to talk, if you don't want to talk, no matter what, it's okay. And I'm not going to go in your head because I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, oh, oh, I like this, Jean. This, look at this good friendship. Look at this good dynamic. Mm. Like, this may be the most I've liked the two of them together. This may be the most I've liked Jean. Wow. Uh, mine is a, is is probably a similar friendship dynamic. Is Cannonball and Shatterstar? Mm. I love the bit where they're like, he's like, yeah, I just had to beat him up. This guy just doesn't know how to quit. <laughs> and they're like, well, can we take him to the med bay? And he's like, no, X Force likes to look after themselves. Plus, you know, this guy's actually not that heavy. <laughs> I, if I recall correctly, Shatterstar has hollow bones. I oh. could be wrong, but I think he's like a bird. Okay, that makes sense because mm. he's an alien, and that that's a thing that could happen. He's got green blood. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the goodest hit? Uh, it's, I'm sadly going to give this one to the javelin shot that doesn't mimic. Oh, and I'm giving it to the moment right before the javelin shot where mimic does does the force blast on Ahab, and ah. it, we get like a whole half page of it. And I just feel like that was like a really triumphant moment that yes does get brutally <laughs> like javelin response the counterattack is uh is strong but yeah uh, so our, our two moments right next to each other in juxtaposition mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap up Extermination, Christy. It is. It is. I am glad you made it along for the ride, readers. And if you would like some more Chris's content, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. You can send us those long-form emails on, at chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com. You can head on over to iTunes and uh, give us those five-star reviews, and we will happily shout those out on the show. Uh, if you type it in your review, we're going to say it on the podcast. That's true. We are required to by law, unless it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our Kofi and our Patreon pages. Links in the show notes. We have lots of cool rewards for Patreon, including and, and up to making us do a permanent accolade. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.